Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on wherever you are in the world. Welcome to another episode of Align with Lina. And today is April the 13th, 2020. And I am super excited to bring to you another guest that just like me, just like you, has undergone an incredible spiritual transformation. And Align with Lina is all about me bringing you ordinary people who can serve as examples of what's possible for you. Because frankly, there is nothing that is more special about one person than another. Every single one of us has the potential to align with the truth of who we are, to reclaim our sovereignty, to come into total and complete remembering and being able to be in oneness with the source of all that is that exists through each and every one of us. So please join me in welcoming uh, Julie. Julie Connor, I am so excited to have you here because this is going to be a really powerful conversation since we are going to be focusing on utilizing addiction as, as an opportunity to enter into a spiritual journey. I know I've been able to do that with my son's addiction. Um, and I certainly, I can say that I have my own addictions and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but they're not what mainstream would consider an addiction because it didn't look that the way that we've been conditioned to believe addictions are. Um, but let's just start with where I start these conversations with everybody. When did you begin to realize that there was just more to life than what you have been taught? Maybe you began to question, um, you know, who am I? You know, what's my purpose? When did that happen for you? Maybe how old were you? What stage of life were you in? Whatever you want to share that that lets us know um, in, in your lifespan, when did that take place? So I would say as a young child, I, I always questioned things. I was curious. I remember sitting in CCD class and having the CCD teacher sit like right on my desk and say like, okay, like tell me about God. Like I really wanted to know more about God than what, than was, what was being offered in Bible study and all of that. I, I wanted more concrete experience of yeah. So I always had this curious nature and, and wanting to explore and understand. But I would say the, if I were to put a dot on a timeline, it was probably in 2001. Mm. So I was a, probably in my thirties and I had had thyroid cancer. Okay. And I had two surgeries and then I had a, a reoccurrence and a tumor and I was supposed to go for what's called a neck dissection where they kind of cut you from ear to ear, removing mm -hmm. all the lymph. And um, it was in that moment that I was probably frozen in fear. And ah, yeah. I went to my younger son who was five and this was prompted by another friend of mine who we were reading spiritual books and exploring our spiritual side, but I, I hadn't dived deep yet. And my younger son, I said, do you think you can help mommy with this lump that I had in my neck? And he looked at me, he was five. And this is not the son with the addiction. This is my younger son. And he looked at me and he said, I can make the lump go away with my love, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he innocently wow. places his hands on my neck, bows mm. his head. 30 to 45 seconds, Lena. Mm. It wasn't a lot. I got chills everywhere. <laughs> it, and I thought like, oh, this is really sweet and adorable. I, I didn't have any attachment to any outcome. I thought it was really wonderful. And then he opens his eyes, he pulls his hands back and he says, mom, I have to do that one more time today and two more times tomorrow. So this is on a Wednesday. Wow. Yeah, Wednesday, and my surgery was scheduled for Friday morning. So that night, Wednesday night, he does it again. Thursday morning, Thursday night, Friday, I drive into the city, into Manhattan for my scheduled surgery. And at this point, I didn't even want to touch the area where the lump was. I was afraid I was going to spread it or something. And I'm on the gurney outside of the OR, and the surgeon comes out, and he starts palpating my neck, and he can't find the tumor. Oh boy. Look up, look down, turn this way, turn that way. And in that moment, I I knew that love yeah. 
dissolved this tumor and, yeah. and there was a spontaneous healing. So I jumped off the gurney, I'm hugging the doctor. And I said, I don't know what your belief systems are, but this is what happened. And I shared mm -hmm. this story with him and the nurses were just in awe because the whole team is there getting, getting yeah. ready. And I, I just knew that this was the beginning of something big. Wow. Wow. So that is what prompted me to start exploring, well, what is it to touch another human being physically? And I think there's other ways that we touch that can have this miracle of spontaneous healing. Yeah. You can't explain what happened and why it happened. It just happened. So I started to explore uh, Reiki and other practices and really diving deep. I became a Reiki master teacher, I started <laughs> studying um, intuition. I did Bible study with a friend for a year. So I was trying to extract from all of these different places to really build an inner knowing and something that, an inner resources to yeah. then bring this to others. In the midst of this, my older son had moved to Florida and his addiction, behavior, I wouldn't say the addiction started immediately, but the addictive behaviors yeah. started. And the relationship was strained. And before you know it, it just really started spiraling out of control. Mm. And as a mother, we want to save our children, help our children, guide our children, nurture our children, even if they're not living in under the same roof. Totally. And I just kept getting this pushback from, from him. And the further he went into the addiction, the, the worse the relationship was more and more strained. And um, and how old was he at that time? He moved to Florida. He was about 15. Okay. And I would say the addiction behaviors and attributes, I will call them, were very present. You know, it's like no one's going to tell me what to do and how to do it. <laughs> and I'm going to do this my way. Um, but the serious addiction started probably in his twenties okay. and, um, you know, in and out of jail, county jail. And there really wasn't a lot of help for him. And I remember as a mother who very much into her spiritual journey felt this sense of shame and helplessness and hopelessness yeah. and, and trying to dig my heels into something that would bring me relief. Mm -hmm. And the pivotal moment in my life that changed it all. And I think it brought all of my trainings and experiences together and just aligned everything. <laughs> was this exercise that I had done with a spiritual teacher. And it happened to be on the weekend, my son was moving home here. We opened our home to him after he was in prison for a year to help him rebuild. Okay. And that weekend we did an exercise, a spiritual exercise where we centered ourselves. We opened our heart. We connected to like the real resonance of our soul. Yeah. And in that place of divine connection and, and divine knowing, we call to their soul yeah. and the protector part of their soul. And when his protector stepped forward, and I'm a very visual person, so when I close my mind, I can see a lot of things, and it's very crystal clear to me. And this big brute of a protect, an energetic brute of a protector, <laughs> um, shares with me that his soul had chosen to be an addict, to be of service to me to teach me unconditional love. Well, <laughs> that was the moment of profound shift. Yeah. Because as the mother of an addict up until that moment, I, there was nothing about the addict, the addict, my son yeah. I loved, Yeah. addict I yeah. did not love. And yet the addict was such a part of him. It was this manifestation of service to me, his mother, to another soul, to another being. Yeah. And in that moment, it was like, oh, I, I, I have to love 
the addict as much as I love my son. Yeah. And, and to honor this part of him that seemed unlovable, both to him and, and to me. And I think in that moment, there was such divine grace. Yeah. And for that year, which was not an easy year <laughs> to have him come back, and he wasn't used to being in a normal environment. And he certainly wasn't used to living with, with me and, and my current husband. So it, it, it did create some challenges. And anytime I felt challenged, anytime, my mantra and my prayer to myself was, I am in loving service to the full recovery of him, mm -hmm. of my son. I am in loving, and it was like a prayer. It was a mantra. Yeah. I am in loving service to my son's full recovery. I am in loving service. And I believe that that's the entirety of my work. I am in loving yeah. service. Yeah. Julie, let me ask you so so many places where we can go here. Let me um, kind of put some pieces together. Uh, so when when you went in for well, when your youngest son performed mm -hmm. that miracle on mm -hmm. you from that moment until your son came back, how many years? Oh, that was 2001. That actually the the laying on of hands that was in two, early 2002 or mid 2002 and my son moved home probably in 2014 oh okay so you had had 14 2015 a good a good 12 13 years oh yeah um oh my goodness so i love i love these parallels between you and i which is why i so enjoyed connecting because i knew we there would be so many things so my mom passed away in 2002 and that's when I started my spiritual journey. And I have said that she gave birth to me twice, once physically and when she passed away spiritually. So your son was laying hands on you in 2002 when that's when I was beginning to open up. And, and interestingly enough, in uh, 2014, when your son came home, that's the year my son stopped his drug adventure. Um, mm. So that so our relationship, you know, what became so different in 2014. Right. So how how amazing. But this sweet little boy, this sweet, sweet little youngest son of yours that was um, preparing you, preparing you to, to recognize yeah. the power of love. Let's talk a little bit more. You know, we'll come back to your older son. Do you just have two sons? I have two sons, yes. Okay, so it'll be easy to keep track of them. So let's talk about what your younger son taught you because my youngest son is not only my teacher that taught me about unconditional love, but he's also the one that went, took me on, on that incredible drug adventure that changed my life. Mm -hmm. So so I'll be talking about the same one, but I'm going to toggle back and forth between the two of you. You, you need it too. So, <laughs> so universe knew we're going to send Julie too. Lina gets one. She only needs one guru in her house, but boy, you got two. What a blessing. So let's talk about your youngest guru. He, he lays his hands on you and you begin to learn the power of love. What what began to happen in you? Because your older son wasn't doing drugs at that time. What were you beginning to discover? What was happening in you that um, love was showing you the way? Love has always shown me the way. It, it really has. And, and the awakening in that moment where love had the power to physically heal mm -hmm. um, was a new... And I don't want to say it was a new concept. It was a new experience for me, yeah. right? That love had the power to physically heal me coming from another being, right? Mm -hmm. Coming from this beautiful child. So I knew that I received that, not just so I didn't have to have surgery. I knew that that experience meant there was something I needed to explore and somehow give back. And can this be awakened and other people that they could really see the power of love, not just heals relationships, not just heals thought forms, but could actually have physical miracles from this power of love. And I knew that that love 
was my purpose to understand it, to experience it, to express it. Now, I'm not saying I was perfect in that, you know, and I think to see the perfection even in the imperfection and to see the love even in the imperfection is so healing and so powerful. Mm -hmm. And I really feel that that's what I do in my work, you know, is to bring that frequency and that consciousness of love, which I can interchange with God, right? God is love, mm -hmm. love is yeah. God. That if yeah. I could bring that consciousness into and awaken in other beings, then I am of service. I am being of loving service. When, how much later after that did you begin to, to do your work where you earnestly were out there letting the world know that God and love are, okay. Immediately, okay. yeah. I, so that healing occurred um, in 2002. Yeah. I started Reiki, which, you know, people were saying, well, maybe it's Reiki, you lay on hands and miracles happen. Yeah. So I, I did that. I had profound experiences through that with yeah. people receiving that as love. I had one gentleman who was an end stage pancreatic cancer and his testimonial for my work, I, I still have it on my website. He said, having you touch me, I can only imagine is equivalent to a mother holding a child and being infused with like this unconditional love. Wow. And I'm like, I'm doing my work. I'm wow. doing my work. Yeah. So that's what I try to bring. Oh, that is so beautiful. Uh, it, it took me five years before I got to that, to that place. Um, I, I began, you know, when my mom passed away, I began to feel this incredible depression, this incredible fear um, of death. And what I began to realize, thanks to a friend of mine, I call her my angel friend, I began to realize that this grief that I was experiencing was a little bit out of the ordinary because my dad had already passed away. Other people, friends, children's of friends have passed away. So moving through grief was something that I, I felt comfortable being able to be with it, but this was out of the ordinary. And that friend, when I was saying to her, you know, I really am feeling this terror around death. So she gave me a book about uh, a woman who had a near death experience. And when I read that book, I began to realize, well, wait a second, my fear of death wasn't about me dying per se, it was about God punishing me because I grew up Catholic, you were talking about your the the CCD classes. Um, you know, so yes, as good Catholic people have to go through all of those classes. And what I began to realize is I was in such terror of going to hell because I grew up being, you know, a sinner and dirty. I was poor sweet Jesus got killed because of my sins. Oh my God, I had all that guilt and, and all that fear. And that book allowed me to to begin to change my mind about about not only life not ending but it began to to help me see that there was a loving god on the other side because into the light the title of the book was about meeting god on the other side of of the death experience then that same friend gave me another book called many masters many lives by oh, dr okay. brian weiss yes. and that's about past lives yes so i found myself bookended with there's life after uh, this this incarnation and then there's life before this incarnation. That's when I began to realize that life is actually a circle. And I then began to to be guided by Jesus. I began to have these these uh, remembrances of of teachings about Jesus. I, I never I grew up Catholic, so I did not have a Bible. You know, we, we just did not own a Bible. Mm -hmm. But I had things that had stayed in my mind. And I went to to a reader who uh, said to me, you know, Jesus is trying to communicate with you and you keep rejecting. And I was like, oh, why would Jesus want to talk to me? So I began to uh, realize that, oh, my gosh, I had been remembering sayings of Jesus, but that's as far as I would go. And when I walked out of her, her off her little space, it was inside of a bookstore here in Atlanta called Phoenix and Dragon, metaphysical bookstore. She said to me as I was walking out the door, she says, Jesus is going to uh, connect with you. I walked out of that space. I walked past a, uh, a bookcase and I kid you not, this book just began to slide out and it was 
um, The Life of Jesus According to the Gospel of John. And I knew I've got to take this book and that book changed my perspective about Jesus. So for a couple of years, I was being guided by Jesus to do to, to do the work that was necessary to bring up my egoic nature, to bring up my fears, to look at all of my, my um, past conditioning, where I had to go through the process of forgiving, um, you know, all of that conditioning. And, and the reason I'm saying all of this is because then in 2007, I had an encounter with God. And that to me, it, there was my mom's death. And then almost to the date, it was like four or five days to the date, in August of 2007, I I had an encounter with God. And if I start getting weepy, it's because it activates all, all of that incredible feeling. And in that encounter, God let me know, not only was I never a sinner, never could be, because what God created perfect could never be anything other than that, but that God was the source of the energy of love. And it's it, it said to me, you know, you have a hard time saying my name because I would call it spirit or creator or universe, anything but God, because I had too much fear, too much baggage around the word God. And it said, just, just call me GESEL, which is an acronym, G-S-E-L. God is the source of the energy of love. And he says, if you remember that, that's all you need to know when your life is going to be transformed. So fast forward just a couple of years and Spencer, my youngest son, enters into his drug adventure. And that was the work, was to remember the healing power of love. Right. So share more about you enter into this journey and now you're you're assisting others with, with the love that is flowing through you through Reiki. Take us and walk us into the when your son began to enter into his drug journey and how, how was that changing things at home? What was happening with your younger son? So take us down on that path with you. Yeah. So those years were um, the most challenging, those initial years, even though I found Reiki, even though I had a fundamental belief that God is love and my journey here is to awaken that love, not only to myself, but to help others through that process, they were very tumultuous times. Um, my marriage was suffering, even though my younger son was the easiest, brightest light. And thank you, God, for that, because I think he held the light for the period of darkness that, that I was going through. But there was always an energy behind, no matter how big the darkness was, and there, there was depression, and there was anger, and there was fear, and there was shame, and there was all of that. And I, there was an energy always pushing me forward to to find the meaning of I and that's a very core belief I had like nothing was happening without a higher purpose. Yes, nothing was happening without something good coming out of the end. And so that belief put me on, you know, I went to Egypt for a month, I, I did these very deep spiritual retreats and, and dove deep into spiritual practices. And my awakening, my connection to source was every time I went into meditation, I sat with God. I sat with the God within me. I sat in divine union and I received so many healings, whether it be of, of memory of past life, whether it be a, a belief that I held, whether it be an energy that I created around a belief that I held. But in that moment of divine union and, and alignment with source, all of that dissolves. So my practices were then, okay, I'm having these experiences in meditation and that's all fine and dandy and wonderful and beautiful in that moment. But can I bring this into the reality of living day to day? And I think that's the, challenge for for many people on a journey yeah. yeah have an experience you have an awakening you have a divine union with source you have all this beautiful grace moving through you and then you open your eyes you're out of the meditation and a different reality is yeah. there and can you bring the reality of your divine connection into the divine present moment 
right? Yes, that's so beautifully said. So you talked about a current husband. Were you still married to your children's dad at that time? You said that it was things my, were challenging my, your yeah, marriage. My older son and and his dad and I, we, we divorced when he was about two. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, yes, because at shortly after I had my encounter with with the, the divine and, and I began, just like you, know myself as love, know everything as love. Then came the reality of going through a divorce from my kid's dad. And at the same time that I am moving through my divorce, by then I had already started teaching. I, I was given a workshop to teach called The Power of Awareness. And I'm like, I've never taught spiritual stuff, but I trusted like you. I had that certainty that I was being guided. I was given to the word, to this, to the, you know, the, the punctuation, exactly how to teach the power of awareness and the one tool that we teach in it. And I say we, because it's, it's, it's God's workshop. So, mm -hmm. um, called shift and lift. And it's about shifting our perception from the low frequency of fear to the higher frequency of love. But at the same time that I am out there teaching, speaking in various spiritual centers in the community, I'm going through a divorce and I meet another man. And this other man comes to one of my classes and you know, I knew what we knew instantaneously, we were soulmates. So I wasn't even done with one marriage and I dove into another relationship. And that was in 2008 and boy, walking the talk, practicing being the presence of love with the, the dissolving of a relationship, the creation of a new one, the challenges of having a daughter who was in college and two boys at home um, that were struggling in school, that were going through their own stuff with you know their mom and dad getting divorced. Now they're losing dad and there's this other man in, the, in their lives. And trying to bring all of that together was quite, quite the challenge. So share, how did you begin to implement, uh, how, how did that show up in your life? Taking that time that you said in meditation where it's easy to connect in meditation because you're, you shut the world out, then you open up your eyes and boom, you know, you're, you're back to, I used to say, you know, before enlightenment, I would do laundry and pay the bills after enlightenment, got to do laundry and pay the bills. Kind of like the Buddha said, chop wood and carry water. How did you integrate the truth that you were discovering uh, was possible for you, that peace inside and being peaceful amidst the chaos outside? I would say that it was just an ongoing process. You know, every day through the practices brought me one step closer. And when divine guidance comes through me and it's crystal clear that, you know, we need you to do this and you need to do that. My ego will scream, there's no way I can do that. And there's, I'm not prepared for that. And um, and yet I never, and that's, that's also an unwavering truth for me. I never step away from divine guidance. Yes. As much fear as I may have, as much as my ego will scream, you can't do this. I'm, I'm even doing daily meditations and my ego is like, you don't even have anything to say. Like, how are you gonna get on there every day and share? And, the, and, and that voice is much, lower yeah. in volume than it was years ago it yeah. used to scream and now it's barely audible but it's yeah. certainly there yeah. and i would just answer it with because this is what i'm being divinely guided to do and i honor that and the voice you know can quiet down but what shifted for me was diving deep yeah. you know therapy once a week has its place has its value I wasn't getting the benefit that I was seeking. Mm -hmm. So I decided to dive deep, yeah. deep into my meditation, deep, you know, finding spiritual teachers that I felt aligned to, that I felt called to, that would divinely show up in my life and, and I'd receive exactly what I needed. For me, the deep dive made all the difference. It made the transformation huge mm -hmm. and the shifts tremendous and sometimes it's an unraveling you know there are belief systems that get in there that are so entrenched that we yeah. have blind spots and we don't fully see them for what they are yeah. 
So I've been doing these embodiment practices with a beautiful teacher based out of Colorado, Rachel Jane Groover, her work. The oh, I know Rachel Jane. She's, she's just delightful. What I loved about her teachings and her learnings is the embodiment part, yeah. really bringing that in so you're present to it in the body. And yeah, I opened myself to channel. I decided if divine guidance is coming through yeah. me, and wants to move through me, can I offer myself up in group yeah. and allow this these teachings, activations, frequency, consciousness, healing to come through me? That has been probably the most tremendous blessing and gift. And the students that have worked with me and clients that have worked with me, because I do channeled healings, I was doing channeled sessions and channel group, what they're receiving from that is, yeah. you know, there's a part of their soul that's aligned to the truth of, of what's coming through for them. Absolutely. And, and waking that up. So deep dive for me has been, and my marriage for those many years that my son was actively addicted and even coming out of that addiction and moving home, my marriage was always on the verge of crumbling. And you talk about past lives, right? <laughs> my, one of my beautiful teachers had gifted me over a year ago with a story of the past lives for both my husband and myself. Oh, wow. Where she said, I hold the memory of not getting what I need. He holds the memory of me leaving him. So he can't fully show up because he believes I'm going to leave him, which was very possible. Yeah, he's protecting himself, yeah. And I'm holding the belief that I'm really not getting what I want and what I need. And it was fascinating as that energy was unraveling for me, as that was not really true. I have everything <laughs> I need and then some. Yeah. And as that started to unwind, I could see it mirroring in my marriage he's letting go of the belief that i'm going to leave i'm letting go of the belief i'm not getting what i want and how that brought us back into this really yeah. beautiful place of connection absolutely so we are expressing not just what's going on in this lifetime right many times we're expressing things that have happened in other lifetimes we are so multifaceted and multidimensional. There's so much more than what's visible just in this timeline of our birth till when we die. It's been fascinating to explore all of that. Oh my goodness, that is so, so fabulous and so incredible. Um, the, the parallels are, are, yes. are yes. uncanny. And, and But to me, one of the things that came to share through the power of awareness mm -hmm. is that we all go through six stages, six phases from conception to enlightenment and the faces. And actually I, I offer that as a, as a free download of anybody who is listening to this inside of the description, I've got a link to that. It's called the soul's journey and the soul's journey. It's a very, it's a simple, it's an hour presentation about each one of those phases and, and, why we are here to heal things, to see things that are from past lives that need to be looked at, need to be healed in this lifetime, because we are part of a wave that is moving the entire consciousness of this planet, because the planet is, is ascending. So it's pulling us, it's, it's a, it's a co-creation, moving us into the higher frequency of love, where we will actually learn about unconditional love. But while we're here in this lifetime doing, you know, that 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 healing work is that we have to look at all of the ways that we have cultivated relationships with unconditional love right. and which is is just another word for for fear. Mm -hmm. And so as as uh, I met this this man, this new man in my life, Ken comes into my life and I'm teaching and he's my student and, and all of those things that happen when talk about my ego thinking, well, I'm the teacher, you know, and, and I'm, I'm the one who knows this information. I'm imparting this information to him. And he asked me to marry him. And I knew we definitely were going to get married. We got married in 2010. That same summer, 
that we got married. We got married in October. That summer is when Spencer started using drugs. And through that journey, through those next four years, which interestingly enough, totally, completely, I looking back hindsight allows you to put the pieces together and it all makes sense. So Ken and I got married the same summer Spencer started doing drugs. Ken and I got divorced the same summer Spencer stopped doing drugs. And those four years were were the perfect opportunity for me to literally walk between love and fear, between conditional love and unconditional love. And one of the things that I began to realize is that Spencer's addiction to drugs was no different than my addiction to safety with Ken. Ken had become this archetypal, you know, men take care of their women, knight in shining armor, who's going to protect me and, and provide for me and told me he was going to give me the world and he was actually very, pretty well to do. Extremely generous in the beginning. But then as my son needed my attention, the 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 work that he's here to do, I think, in this lifetime is is around jealousy. So he thought that I would cheat on him as previous wives had cheated on him. So he was jealous pretty much from the get go of our relationship. Mm. But when my focus was on my son, when Spencer was going through his drug adventure, oh my gosh, Ken's jealousy, Ken's need to control and pulling money back. And that would scare me because I had Spencer and another son, Tony, who was struggling in school. So all, all of what was egoic in me was coming up. Well, at the same time, I was, I was, I knew what unconditional love was all about. I had felt it in with um, in my encounter with God. I could feel that with Spencer. I could feel that with Tony. And I used to feel that with Ken, but little by little, my protective armor began to, to get built up. And I got to experience sitting with, oh my gosh, I am conditionally loving. What is the fear that is activating that? And I am unconditionally loving my children how come I'm, I don't have fear around Spencer's uh, drug use? So what you're talking about is fascinating because Ken and I actually both went and did a past life regression. And what came up for me that happened in a past life is exactly what got recreated. Different different of way of, of recreating it. But it was the exact outcome from the past life in this life. Only in this life, I accepted the gift that I couldn't understand in, in the past life. It's the um, parallel, right? Yes, the parallel. It's parallel energy that yeah. you've had this experience in a past life, and it looks a little different in this lifetime, but the energy of it is a mirror, is a, is yeah. a pretty precise mirror of what's going on. And I'm fascinated by when, the tr when you receive the truth of that, right? You yeah. get the truth of yeah. that parallel like oh this is the energy that's playing out it's like homeopathy it's the like meets like yeah and then the energy no longer has to explain. the release happens the it release happens absolutely a release that happens yeah it's and I've never a little luck yeah closer to my husband yeah. i've never honestly you know it was always this energy of not getting what i want and not what i need and i was pissed and i was angry and i was all these things right that was probably making it even worse because he thought i was going to leave him for sure yeah but once I got the truth of that, and, and, I, and I know that it was divine timing, it had to happen now because I had to do all of this other work yeah. to get there, to really yeah. get in a place of really anchoring in. I have everything I need. I am so well provided for on so many levels, right? I don't really want for anything and to fully embrace that. And then for him to come into the alignment and to release the fear of me leaving him. Yeah. That, yeah, then then we have an energy where we can deeply connect, right? But there was a yeah. whole process that needed to happen. And he has been amazing to for this not to be his son, my older son, not yeah. to be his biological son, and for him to open his home and to provide for him while he was going through his recovery and rebuilding of his life. That to me is so admirable. Oh yeah. I don't know if I could do the same. I would hope that I could do the same, but I really don't know if I could have done the same. 
for, for him had it been reversed. Yes, but what you were able to give him is when he's concerned that you would leave him, he, he can't be fully there. Right. Once he feels comfortable that you're there, then what happens is he doesn't leave his own center. Right. So being the presence of love is, is what happens. Right. You know, the gift that Ken gave to me, which is why, thank goodness, it wasn't the exact same thing, but the message was what was important is in the past life, it was like in the 14, 1300s, 1400s, um, he actually was the person who uh, had cut my head off in the town square because mm. I had been charged with a crime um, and, and all those details don't matter. What mattered is that when I looked up in, in, and I was placed in that guillotine and I looked up and I saw the person who was going to drop the lever, it was Ken. And as I'm looking at him, just it, that's the first time I'd ever had a past life. No, actually, that was the second time I had had a past life experience. But what was so fascinating about that is when that guillotine came down and my head left, what came out of my head, my, my neck? really what came out of it was all of these doves came flying out. And as I was laying there looking up and I'm seeing Ken and I'm seeing these, you know, I had the vision of these doves coming out of my head. The message I couldn't fully accept it then. Well, I, I accepted it, but it didn't manifest as my reality for years. And what that message was is that I would never be free, which is what the, the dove signified, until I stopped living from my head. I had to cut my head off. Oh, yeah. That egoic uh, analyzing the fears, all of that stuff that gets trapped in that that conditioned mm -hmm. uh, thought system. Because it, until I cut my head off and let go of the head, I could not live from the heart. Right. And when Spencer was doing his drugs, I was guided. I mean, Jesus walked through that whole journey with me. And like you were saying, those egoic fears, what are my neighbors going to think? What's, you know, what, what's my husband thinking? What's my kid's dad thinking? Because I was guided to deal with his drug use in a very different way. I was told this child does not need a drug intervention. This child is in need of a soul intervention, spiritual intervention. He is here to teach you that until you recognize that we are all non-physical and eternal, you're still going to be in fear because you're going to be attached to his body. Right. So I was thinking, okay, I lost my head. But when you lose your head, you're also supposed to lose attachment to the body. So I had to deal with these two voices in my head, one telling me, he is going to be just fine. He doesn't belong to you. Stop thinking of him as your son. He is your non-physical brother. You guys are one and the same. He's expressing as another aspect of you to give you the opportunity for you to embrace your eternalness. And in eternalness, love places no conditions. Right. And as I'm hearing this, so I would tell Spencer, we, we have to make a deal. This is what I'm being guided. You can do your drugs because I'm not concerned about what the drugs are going to do to your body. But when you come down from, I am concerned about what these drugs are doing to your soul, because you have these beliefs in your mind that keep you from knowing your magnificence. So he would go on his highs and, and feel better. He'd drop into his lows and I got to coach him. And that's when I began to really realize every single one of us is born a bringer of love and light. We are the soul personified. Yeah. And my work with him was the work that I was going through with Ken, which was I had to begin to see Ken as that same loving essence. Because when I wasn't, I wasn't coming from my loving essence. When I was in my fear, my defending myself that, you know, justifying to him, I'm not cheating on you. Um, it, it was Spencer was my teacher as much as I was his. We were both student and teacher. That's when I realized our brotherhood, our sisterhood, our, our eternal connection. And oh my goodness, it was a fascinating time to in my mind have to switch my relationship with my son so that I could really come to terms with opening up my heart.
So share about your relationship with your son as he was going through his drug experience. What was going on in you? So what was going on with me? I, I felt the internal war too. That, that he was experiencing with his own being and me with my own being, trying to honor who he was and what he was, and in the same breath, despising the addict who was somehow consuming my son. So mm -hmm. it, it, was, it was both for a very, very long time. His um, year in prison, which was the saving grace for him, and he called me every day, sometimes several times a day, and I, you know, what I do to him is woo-woo, and that's okay in, in his experience. My son, too. However, during that year that he was in prison, he listened to a lot of woo-woo, a lot of woo-woo. Yeah. And I tried to be more mainstream woo-woo than my woo-woo-woo-y self. Um, but there was some, I was touching a part of him that I remember. I was yeah. touching that young boy who is sensitive, that young boy who is intelligent. And somehow all of that got stifled, right? Mm -hmm. and, and the addiction yeah, took exactly. over a very long time and, and was the front seat driver. So I felt like we were rebuilding. There was a rebuilding and reconnecting. He still is my biggest teacher. He <laughs> still is my biggest challenge and I know every time I'm challenged that there's something I need to look at deeper within myself, within the situation. You know, he he can trigger me in ways that I don't think anybody else can, where I can hold judgment, where I can hold fear. And I know, I know and fully understand that that is the time that I need to look at that. Like he's yeah. teaching me, you're holding judgment here. You're holding fear here. And yeah. he's actually on, he said, thank you. <laughs> oh, that's him. <laughs> that's him, that's him, he's here. So that's beautiful. That That's growth for me and that helps yes. me open. And I went to Hawaii last year to write a spiritual book. And I was so excited. I was gonna take all these beautiful experiences I had and all of, um, what I've learned and my poetry that I feel is very spiritually guided. And I was going to put it into a book form. I love to write and I was super excited. Day three of my writing experience, I'm, I'm walking and I love to walk in meditation. I love to be fully present to what's around me and in my body. And as I'm walking to the class, titles of books were dropping in and I love children's stories too. So three children's books titles came through and the title of the spiritual book I was writing. And then the title of the <laughs> book that I was there to write dropped in and I could feel every ounce of my physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, all the parts of me lit up. Yeah. And the title of the book was through the eye of the needle. Yeah. A mother's journey, yeah. a mother's recovery of yeah. her son's heroin addiction. Yeah. And I knew that that was the book I was actually there. I with. have goosebumps all over. I had goosebumps all over. And when I walked into the classroom yeah. and, and told the, the gentleman who was instructing the class that, you know, I put three days into this book and now this title comes in and it's pushing everything out of the way. This takes precedence over everything. And he looked me straight in the eye and he's like, write that book now. The world <laughs> needs you. And I remember I started to cry and I knew that this, like books, words, your work, it just really wants to be birthed through you. Right? We are birthing an expression of God through our being. Exactly. And if my words and my experience can touch another being and bring some illumination of truth, some capacity to heal, some repair of a wound, then I'm doing my work. Yeah. Right? I'm absolutely doing my work. So I called my son and I did not want to write this book without his permission. And he immediately said, mom, if that could help one person, then yeah, absolutely. And my guidance was, 
to ask him to write a chapter in the book. And he was a little, you know, resistant. Oh, I don't write and, and no, I don't think I could do that. And I said, it'll be more of an interview. I'll interview you. I just, I really feel, and I'm really getting guidance that your voice needs to be in the book too. You know, this is my experience of, of walking this path with you, but I'd really love to have your voice and what it was like to be. Like, we, we don't know yeah. what it was like fully for them. Yeah. And I'm happy to report he is married. He has a stepson who's 12. I love oh. him dearly. And he has two of his own children, um, Christian and Juliana, three, and Juliana will be two. And it's a beautiful life. He yeah. has a beautiful life and has turned it around. And I'm sure he feels very comforted yeah. from the life that he left yeah. to the life that he's living and, and worth living. So it's yeah. pretty exciting. Oh my gosh. I, I love that. Love, love, love that. And again, more parallels. So Spencer and I knew from probably halfway through that we would one day write a book together. And, but he said to me, mom, I don't even want to think about that till I'm done with college. And he just graduated a few months ago in December and we're going to actually write it together. And so it's going to have my parts and then his parts so that it can show exactly what we were going through. Because for him, I was, I was just as much his teacher because I was helping him remember his truth while he was helping me uh, remember my truth. And, and it's just such a beautiful journey. I'm a student of A Course in Miracles. Actually, I became a student of it in December of 2011. So it was just Spencer had been into his drug journey for a year. And because we already had this agreement that I that I would coach him when he came down from his drug so that we could get into his head and find all these um, these untruths that he was that were causing him such distress and fear that he had to then numb himself with drugs. We um, we started studying A Course in Miracles and The Course in Miracles says that everything, everything, everything can be looked at in in this way is that if you're aligned with who you are, you are the presence of love. You're being love. Duh. Yeah, we all know that. But if you're not being the presence of love, if you're in your story, if you're in your ego, if you're in your protection, if you're in your disconnection, your separation, it is a call for love. So it became super, super simple. So the title of our book is A Call for Love, A Mother and Son's Journey Through the Hell of Addiction and Back. Because his addiction to, and he tried so many different drugs, I could not even begin to give you the list. It was He was just a little ex experimenting all the time. Um, so his addiction to drugs to make him feel better, feel safe, feel calm. And my addiction to Ken loving me and, and protecting me and, and, and providing my safety was the exact same thing. We both left our center. And instead of being the presence of love, we were both calling for love. And once I began to see that that's what Ken was doing, and I began to then remember to be the presence of love then I was able to move through that divorce very differently. You know, it's like till this day, he is such a great teacher who came into my life to help me choose to be the presence of love. And there's no other option for me. That's it. I don't choose between love and fear. My work is to be the presence of fear. I mean, be the presence of love. And when fear enters my mind, I know that that part of me is calling for me to love it and, and forgive myself for that, that thought. And Spencer is a, uh, will forever we, we are forever we have the, the soulmate connection that I know we've been in so many lifetimes he's doing wonderful now he actually um maybe about I don't know how many months ago six not even that many more months ago he began to feel after five six years of being sober that he really wanted to to be able to drink socially um he knows he wants nothing to do with drugs so he he gave himself permission to have you know beers or whatever and can handle it because he said i know what i don't ever want to go back to and i said exactly i know what i don't want to go back to which this is going to be like the final chapter for our book is because i don't want to do relationships like i did with ken he doesn't want to do um his his drinking like he did before 
And now I'm in a brand new relationship where it's all about being the presence of love and not going back to my old addiction. So with my new partner, it's like, I don't need anything from you. I discovered my wholeness. I'm bringing into this my whole self and the freedom in that relationship I've never experienced before because I came bringing love mm-hmm. where before I was calling for love. I was calling right. for I was calling for something. So it was more of a getting kind of a relationship, conditional love. But tell me about your book. When is that going to come out? How how can people get a hold of that? Where are you in that? Yeah. Process? So I'm in the midst of um, working on the book still. Okay. I'm I'm the guidance was a 10 10 2020 launch date, which seems very soon. <laughs> we'll <laughs> see how that works. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm working on that. And I just wanted to talk about your what your comment about loving and, you know, I, I think we can take spiritual practices and really hone it into one very simple practice. Yeah. And that's to love what appears unlovable, mm-hmm. yeah. both within us and around us. And I think if you, if anyone were to take one practice and to practice that every single day in every one of your interactions, we would be in a beautiful world. Well, to me, that's how we stay aligned. Yeah. If if we, and that was the whole purpose of this title align with line is to bring examples of how do we align with that truth with that how do we be that presence of love because what wouldn't work if we were in our own center aligned with our authentic loving self and then radiate that to the world yeah and people um, don't know really what that means you know it sounds simple yeah. and it is simple right it, you know love is simple when it's in its purest form but to love without attachment yeah. to an outcome, to love without um, judgment, to love without any expectation. And that's not how humans are experiencing love or you know, in relationship or even yeah. to themselves, right? There's so many things that get piled on top of that, but that's my practice. Yeah. You know, have I perfected it? No, but I know that that is the carrot <laughs> that mm-hmm. I am always moving towards to to do that the best I possibly can. Can I love without attachment? Can I love without judgment? Can I love, accept, and honor? Can I see the divine in this? And that's the energy that moves me in relationship both to myself and, and to others. And it challenges me every single day. <laughs> And I know that I'm doing my work. If it doesn't challenge me, then I'm fully enlightened, right? (laughs) Or I'm just Julie doing her work. I do it better than others. And it's it's what I do in my work in working with um, women and in group. Yeah. I'm going to have to say ditto again, because that is it. There, there is in, in my, my sweetheart, um, I was very clear with him from the beginning, just my, my number one priority is my alignment with God, which to me is the, the source of the energy of love. So for me, that's number one, I have to be in alignment with that. And from there, what cannot, I mean, everything works from there. But you're absolutely right. It, that that becomes the 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 goal, the intention, the only thing that matters because everything else falls apart without that. And if and, it's not working, it needs more love. <laughs> exactly. Right? You know, and what that was one of the biggest challenges was loving myself through the times that I was being fearful, judgmental, um, because I had to see the depths of of ugliness inside of me. Right. And when I began to love my egoic self, my scared little girl that was, mm-hmm. you know, trying to hold on to daddy when dad left our house, trying to hold on to my safety and, and my world got turned upside down and the guilt of not being good enough and an unloving God punishing me. When I began to see how I turned into a first class manipulator to control the world outside so I wouldn't feel the emptiness, the void, the the disconnection inside. Mm-hmm. 
Oh my gosh. And, and that's where, like you said, knowing that be love is simple, but what's not easy and so difficult is sitting with all the ways that we're not right. and forgiving ourselves for that. Right. Yeah. Julie, before I ask you a last question, I, I want to put up here your, your website and how people can reach you. Talk to folks about what you've, you offer, how they can reach you. Um, yeah. So I have a new offering. Um, for clients that I've seen in the past, I may continue to offer sessions, but that's not my new body of work. My new body of work is deep work. So the smallest package that I offer now is a full day. And that full day can be broken up into a four hour session and then the following day, a four hour session. So they're deep dives. And what I've noticed through that is when we can stay with something long enough, we can move through it. Yeah. And if we're just doing these little blips of touching into that and then you kind of retreat back into what we would call your normalcy in your life and then next week we touch it again you know we're getting to it and it's a very slow process but it's still a process and it's still moving you in the in the direction of healing and coming into that full alignment however i'm a deep diver that is my gift and i'm going to take you on a journey that we're going to dive deep i'm going to hold you every step of the way until we can get to that place of holding light and love for whatever that shadow pain wound is. And that's where the transformation happens. Oh yeah, that is so beautiful. I am so grateful that you do that. I'm, I'm sure we'll have to do some things together because that is, um, that is the kind of work that I've been doing, but I'm being called to move, move more out of that and uh, teach more. The, those six stages so that people have a roadmap to, to navigate the journey. But the deep dive journey is one of those phases. And it that is, oh my goodness, it, I, I'm so grateful that you do that. So people can reach you at julie.thelightwithinus at gmail.com if you want to email her or go to her website, which is Julie Connor, J-U-L-I-E-C-O-N-N-O-R for those of us, those of you who are listening via podcast and you can't see the the scrolling information. Um, Julie, please share one, whatever you want to share with anybody who's dealing with somebody that has, that's going through an addiction. What, what would be your words of wisdom for anybody dealing with an addict right now? Yeah. Love. <laughs> Goes back to that. <laughs> Love the addict. And that doesn't mean you have to accept the, the behavior in whatever form that is around you or your environment. It's just sending the frequency of, I love you, I honor you, I know there is a higher purpose for your behavior, even though my humanness of, of being your mother, sister, aunt, grandmother, wife, whatever, um, it's really not enjoying this experience, but that there is a higher resonance of energy. There is a divine flame of God in that experience and to see it, to know it, to honor it, to love it, and just to send it without attachment, without an expectation that that flame of love is some gonna somehow catapult them into their own awakening. You know, we all have our own process. What I love about these times right now, in this time of giant pause, is that we have great opportunity, yeah. phenomenal opportunity to sit and be with ourselves and to really bring that heart flame of love to any part of us that feels unworthy, unlovable. Um, and I, I'm really honoring this time of what seems like chaotic and, and illness as a great time of awakening, a great, great time of awakening. And if anyone is interested in joining our morning and evening meditations, I'm holding them Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 11 a.m. via Zoom. And they would have to sign up for that so they can email me for that link. And Tuesday and Thursday night at 7.30. And they're 45 to 60 minutes long. And we're just really receiving what comes through um, my channel. And channel is just me going into deep meditation and allowing my being to be a vessel of, of divine grace. And however that comes in, wisdom, activation, teaching, healing, 
and really lifting the energy of what's dense yeah. and what appears dark and to see the light in it. Oh, that is so beautiful. So I want to remind people, to, if you're going to email her, it's julie.thelightwithinus at gmail.com. Um, is that information also on your website, julieconnor.com? There is a contact page, yeah. Okay. So they would just put their name and, and their email and, and I can contact them via the website as well. Well, I and just, the website is being revamped. It's it's very copy heavy right now. And I'm working with a woman um, to redo it. So don't mind. But the content is there and and my love is there to really support other women, other mothers. And what I want to say, Lena, um, the work that I do and, and the depth of it, there was a woman that did a weekend retreat with me. And it was her first time experiencing my work. And she stood up at the end of the weekend and said, what I received from you in these two and a half days is more than I received in 20 plus years of therapy. Of therapy. I knew you were going to say that. And that touched my heart and, and such a confirmation that the work that I'm doing, the work that I'm allowing to move through me is doing the work. Yeah. Right? And people are showing up for that. And I feel so honored and blessed yeah. to be able to witness that in someone and to see their awakening and to yeah. see their healing and to see them come into alignment. That's a blessing for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no surprise that you would receive that because in traditional therapy is wonderful because our angry side, our wounded side, that mm -hmm. part of us get hurt, gets hurt, get to talk. Yeah. Yes. But in this, these deep dives, our soul gets to speak, yeah. our soul gets to, and that's, that's the work of awakening is giving our soul permission uh, to, to express because a deep dive is to go retrieve that part of us that's been back there covered up with all of those, um, uh, all of that suffering. But thank you so much, Jane, for your comments. She says that this has been an engrossing and engaging deep dive into both of your lives. Thank you so much. Lots of aha moments to take into her heart. Well, thank you, Jane, and everybody else who's been with us, Lulu and Joan and Chris, so many here um, who've been with us. Uh, I, I thank you so much, Julie, for the work that oh, you're doing. So it's it just such an incredible time. The only thing that I wanted to Add, not because it's missing anything, but more to to go side by side with what Julie said about if there's an addict in your life, love them is is kind of reiterate something that we said earlier. Want to make sure you don't miss this is that if you have an addict in your life, you have been blessed. You have been blessed with a teacher in your midst. They're here to teach you about the very love that Julie was saying. Learn to give that to them, and you your life will be transformed. If you accept that invitation that Julie just offered you um, to, to take that deep dive and learn to open your heart. And then for everybody that's with us today, come back next Monday for another episode of Align with Lina. I've got uh, Corinne Zuko and she is fabulous. She wrote a book about using, um, you know, she was so anxious and her life was all about anxiety and she learned to move through that anxiety. She's also a teacher of A Course in Miracles because A Course in Miracles helped her move through anxiety. So come back next Monday um, and listen to that. That's going to be April the 13th. Um, so that's going to be a really, I'm sorry, April the 20th. That's going to be a wonderful conversation. But Julie, again, thank you from the bottom of my heart. What a great Great to have a, a soul sister here so that we can help everybody else. To the rest of you, thank you all so much. And remember, you are magnificent because you're exactly as God created you, the presence of love incarnate. You can deny that, but you cannot not be that. Thanks a bunch. And we'll see you next Monday. Bye-bye.